Hey everyone, today I am chatting with Sebastian, founder of The Art of Charisma and someone who's also based in Scotland. We talk about what charisma is, why it's important to become more charismatic and the role of charisma in the workplace and even when reaching financial independence. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Financial Independence Europe podcast, where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them, about optimizing your life, geo-arbitrage, and making the most of your money. This was your hosts, Alvar, Erminta, and Matthias. Hello, everyone. Today, I am joined with Sebastian, who's also with me here in Scotland. Hi, Sebastian. Welcome to the show. Hello. I'm very pleased to be here. It's very exciting. Uh, it's going to be an amazing podcast. I've got a good feeling about this. <laughs> Great to hear. So before we dive into today's topic, uh, which is going to be charisma in business and uh, kind of negotiation and all that, uh, could you tell our listeners who you are and what is it that you do? Yeah, of course. So uh, my name's Sebastian. I run and manage a self-startup called Art of Charisma. I teach entrepreneurs, business-minded people, people who work in finance, accountants, and everything in between, all about how they could harness charisma to their advantage to influence and persuade people, whether that's to project them in their career or whether to achieve more clients build better relationships and just overall feel more fulfilled. Uh, I give people techniques and tools on how to do that. So very supportive. It's always very exciting. I get to ask people lots of very nosy questions uh, about their relationships and about their lives and things like that. So it's never a dull moment. So obviously, okay, so you're very much into this, all this charisma. What, what is charisma exactly if you had to define it? You know what? It's such an abstract thing. I, when I was starting this off, I was doing lots of research on what charisma is, what it means for different people. And it goes well, well, way back to even the Greeks, like Greek mythology. And they described charisma as a divine gift. And I absolutely love that, that idea that humans have this gift almost from the gods that they had to be able to influence and persuade someone. And then fast forward to 2020, some people in certain circles still believe that it's this sort of supernatural power. You know, is it this thing that you either have or you haven't got it? When actually that's that's a myth. You know, everybody has charisma. It's just in different forms, in different people. And you've got to find your own unique way of your own charisma. But essentially, if we boil it down, charisma is the ability to release someone else's dopamine. Now, dopamine is a chemical in the brain. We all have it. It gets released when we eat chocolate or when good things happen to us. And it actually can get released by others. So when we smile at other people, we feel positive and that releases our dopamine all without us intentionally doing that. And this is a really key element when it comes to business, when it comes to negotiating, when it comes to all aspects of life, because you can sort of I like to call it people hack your way to influence and persuade someone to kind of your way of thinking. So that was, I guess, a little summary of charisma, but it's different for different people. It's, there's a bit of a myth around the idea that charisma is the person who's the loudest, most boisterous, you know, person in the room, when actually that's completely not true. Um, it's different for different personalities. So just because you think you may consider yourself quite a shy, reserved person, 
does not mean you do not have charisma. I like the the people hack. That's a good word. I, I agree with you. And I would even go further and say that in general, I, I from what I understand, there is no such thing as a gift, really. You, you, you kind of cultivate everything. It's just kind of what your parents brought you up, how they brought you up and, and what you caught on kind of what the, what are the things that you were that had that were around you when you grew up and kind of uh, helped you evolve that skill and in some cases it could be charisma 100 um, percent. and i i sorry to interrupt there but the, i put it almost in the same camp as creativity you know people always say how do you become creative how do you start getting those juices flowing and you know it's it's like anything you know it's a skill so you can practice it you can enhance it if you speak to any musician or artist they always start off you know having struggles with creativity or maybe the opposite they have oodles of creativity but actually the more they practice it the more they refine it they become more creative in certain aspects and certain areas and they get more inspired in certain aspects in certain areas and it's very similar with charisma we talk a lot about confidence leadership and conversations all those sort of things that you can actually practice that will add up to you becoming charismatic Yep, that makes sense. And so you believe that everyone could become a little bit more charismatic. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Nice. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> I, I think it's everybody's secret weapon. You know, people can be using this to their advantage, not only to, you know, in any situation, whether you're looking to, you know, close a million pound deal, become financially independent, or you're trying to convince a toddler to get ready for bed. These are core skills that everybody should be utilising. But I think with the advantages for maybe somebody who's thinking about potentially getting involved with, um, you know, looking to try and become financially independent, the types of areas that you could be looking at to perhaps use charisma and use, you know, those sort of people skills is that when you're looking to build an asset, whether that's a business or you're looking to build a property portfolio or you're looking to get involved with the stock market. The stock market may be perhaps being a little bit further from it, but if you can actually understand how people work, how people operate, you can then follow trends, then you can understand how things would operate, which kind of ties into the stock market and following patterns and things like that. But if you were looking to try and build a business to eventually become financially independent, at every aspect of that, you're going to be dealing with people. So even if you've developed the next great big app, you're going to have to eventually somewhere down the line sell that idea to someone or you're going to potentially have to sell it in such a way where you're going to have to get investment or you're going to have to be dealing with people who want to work for you or people who are competitors. So being able to use your charisma to get people to like you and understand you and get your ideas across is absolutely key. So it doesn't matter who it is that you're looking to try and do. You know, if we look at, I'm always fascinated by you know, people who are infamously charismatic. You know, we look at the Barack Obamas, the Elon Musks, the Steve Jobs, all these sort of people, all completely different, but leaders in their field, all had their unique sense of charisma, sort of speak there. And so that's where it was. I mean, when I first started this, I was even looking at athletes. I was fascinated by athletes and how we could how they could, some of them got away with absolute murder, you know, sometimes that no matter how much scandals they got involved with, we always seem to still fall in love with certain athletes, whether it was footballers or whoever, we still always kind of loved them. And they actually did a study based off of this with uh, a cycling team. And they realized that advertisers of a particular cycling team 
their credibility was not affected when that cycling team got part of a, a doping scandal. And they realized it was actually down to this charisma. And that's where it kind of all sort of stemmed from. And so when we look at, you know, people like Elon Musk, they just do have this sort of aura around them. It's almost kind of indescribable sort of things. But if we actually look at it, it's the fact that they're able to give great speeches. They can carry themselves well on stage. They can build really deep connections with anybody. You know, one of the, the famous things that we said about, you know, Barack Obama was that when he was with people, Everyone felt that he was the only person in the room when he was speaking to them. So you can actually use these sort of small tips and techniques and apply it into your own business or you're in your own office or even like wherever it could be. And you can actually build a really deep connection with someone to the point that they will get behind you 100% of the way. So it, it's interesting that you're connecting uh, charisma, kind of talking on a stage and and one could argue extroversion with success because to my mind, I'm, I'm just thinking of well-known introverts or I don't know if we can really compare extrovert and introvert, but successful people who were not really charismatic. I mean, I'm just thinking of Einstein, for example. Was he charismatic? He was incredibly successful. We can, we can agree on that. Uh, what about, I don't know, Isaac Newton or Steven Spielberg? There, there are a few people that we can say are, were successful, but can we really say they were charismatic? What do you think? That's a really interesting point there. I, personally, me, I do believe that they had their own unique sense of charisma. I mean, I suppose what we can do is we can actually take a bit of like, wh what is the specifics of charisma? Well, what, we teach and what we've kind of developed the program around is that being able to make a great first impression. So whether or not you're going to a business meeting or whatever it could be, you know, being able to make a really good first impression is, is really key. And I don't believe that you really need to be super extroverted just to make a really good first impression. And it being able to have a good conversation with someone. So understanding about the open questions, getting people to open up and talk about themselves is something that I would say introverts are particularly good at, being able to get people out and talking. The other thing is being able to tell a good story. I bet Einstein, I bet even Steven Spielberg, you know, infamously made movies based off the back of stories. So he's probably one of the best storytellers that there is. And one of the unique things as well is, is, is presence. You know, when we think of Steven Spielberg and what people say about him, you know, people did say he had this aura about him, this sort of almost indescribable thing. And then we move on there for confidence, which could be misinterpreted almost as arrogance with the extroverts. But there is such a thing as being sort of quietly confident in yourself. And then there's leadership. Now, leadership is, is always one up for debate because Einstein led teams of scientists, he led teams of people. And so what makes a great leader? I bet anyone who's ever been managed by a Sir, uh, like a Sir Alex Ferguson or anyone like that would say that there was definitely moments where he lost his rag and he was the loudest person in the room. But a lot of it was what he didn't say as opposed to what he did say and how he conducted himself as a, as a leader. And so if you can take those little components and apply it into, you know, your everyday life or apply it into whatever it could be, you have the ability to become charismatic and be likable to people. But that's a really interesting point. I mean, what do you think about it? Do you have a, a real reference? Do you think introvert or extrovert has, is particularly charismatic? It's a very difficult question. It's one I, I ask myself a lot because I used to be, I used to consider myself an introvert, but now I'm most definitely I'm ambivert, but I'm leaning on towards extroverted. And it's just, uh, I, I don't really know, to be honest. And I think this is a very interesting topic. And I, 
Uh, charismatic to me is someone who who is empathetic, I think, um, and who who can put themselves in the position of other people and can act on it. That's what I would I would say. But I'm no expert. Uh, you definitely know more than I do. So uh, <laughs> I'll take your position. No, no. I think just to build up of what what you just said there, I think I agree that you know for me to sum it up, it would be authenticity. I think that's really key when it comes to trying to be charismatic or even when we talk about a negotiating situation, you know, you want to be as authentic and as genuine as possible because people can actually see through it. So when we're kind of teaching people, we're not telling, you know, introverts to be extroverted. We're not telling extroverts to be introverted. It's all about kind of like understanding your own personality, understanding your own strengths. And then actually most of it is actually understanding the person across the table from you and understanding their personality and their quirks a little bit better so that you're able to offer a lot more of a tailored approach when you're kind of having a conversation with someone or negotiating. So a lot of it is around that. But I think authenticity and genuine being genuine is really key to it because the idea of fake it till you make it is 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 not good at all. Um, it's eventually it will come out on top and you'll always get sussed out. Um, and it's the same, you know, when we're starting with people who consider themselves uh, introverted to beginning, we look at places where they like to go out, where they like to socialise. Some people do amazingly well at dinner parties, at house parties, um, at meetings and all that sort of jazz. But then there's other people on the other side of it who really thrive at conferences, at networking events. So actually just identifying where it is your strengths are and where you could actually go to to meet people before these things happen is really ultimately key to it. Now, I know not everyone is going to really love being in a hardcore negotiation. However, if you'll be able to understand that, you can kind of cherry pick as and when you kind of do those things. So, yeah, it's um, the, the personality quirks are, are always really interesting, you know, about really how to identify them. And I love that, you know, ambivert. That's a great one because uh, a lot of people always miss that one out. Yeah, for sure. And I, I like what you said about authenticity. I would even go on to say the confidence to be authentic, to, the confidence to be yourself, really, and not non-apologetic about who you are without obviously being arrogant or a pain in the ass, you know, just, just being yourself. And that's that's difficult, really difficult, I think, to be confident with who you are, but also being able to take feedback, you know? So if someone says, hey, you're 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 pushing it a bit, and you're like, okay, sorry, I, I accept, I take the feedback, I try to adjust. That's really, really difficult and not a lot of people are good at that. So I it's a mix of a lot of different things. Um and it's interesting that you say conferences, dinner parties. Yeah, it's definitely a skill that also. Which is good because if it's a skill that means you can cultivate it. I was just gonna say just to to build off that, and um, one of the things that I'm I'm really we teach a lot of is being confident and then also being competent. So, you know, in our industry, we hear a lot of, you know, be yourself and just be you, which is great. But for someone who's really trying to wave the waters of business, really trying to put themselves out there, become an expert negotiator, networker and build a business or an asset for themselves, you know, be yourself could mean several other things. So sometimes it's actually just starting off small and building up, getting really good at the basics, and then you're able to take it into bigger, more powerful, more um, important situations where you're going to need to be able to turn it on. And so some of the biggest challenges we have is trying to change a mindset and create a habit. So for example, one of the uh, mindsets that we talk about is, uh, now apologies, I played too many video games when I was growing up, so a lot of it's based off of Call of Duty and Grand Theft Auto, but it's called spreading ammunition 
And the mindset all around about spreading ammunition is that when you meet with someone for the first time, they're going to ask you some questions. For example, what do you do for a living? Now, you could say to someone, I'm a consultant, which is 100% the right answer. And it's 100% exactly what you do. However, in order to build a relationship and a bit of rapport with the person opposite you, you're not really giving them a whole lot of things to go off of. So if we can able to change the mindset to spread more ammunition, what we could say is, I'm a consultant that works with startups based in Edinburgh, and I work with IT companies. And, you know, that person has several bits there to pick up from. So he can say, oh, wow, what kind of startups have you been working with lately? Or, oh, I'm, I'm based in Edinburgh as well. So where'd you like to go out? And then you can start building a conversation with someone. Because even though small talk is part of being charismatic and it's no, it's not everyone's uh, cup of tea, we like to try and transition through that as quickly as possible to get people talking about things that they are immensely passionate about, that they're immensely talkative on and things that they love talking about. You know, I think we can all think of a time where we've been at a party talking to someone and then we finish speaking with them. We go over to our friends and then they say, wow, you were speaking to that guy or girl for ages. What were you talking about? And you go, you know, I can't I can't really remember. But ultimately, if you were to look back on that situation, that person was able to get you talking about yourself. And then that's how you were able to build a rapport. Or even sometimes people go, you know, that guy, Dave, yeah, I really like him. There's just something about him. And they go, what was what was he saying? You go, he wasn't really saying anything. He's just just a likable person. You know, I just got on well with him. Yeah, that's definitely true if you can get, because people love just talking about themselves, right? So this is what uh, one of the tactics in, uh, what what is it? Uh, how to make friends and influence people, that very well-known book. And he, he that's what he says, you know, a person's name is the sweetest uh, word they'll ever hear. So if you get someone talking about themselves, then maybe you didn't talk about much, but the other person definitely did, and they'll definitely enjoy themselves. So that's that's a very, yeah, very relevant. Uh, and actually this transitions well onto mindset, which is what I was going to ask you about. What what comes first, really, like mindset or charisma? Because I feel like it's, it's, it's kind of both are really important. But in your training sessions, which one do you focus more on at the beginning, for example? Well, at the start of each module, in order to go with them. So our modules go from first impressions, expert conversations, storytelling, confidence, leadership and magnetic presence. And at the start of each of those modules, it's all around mindset and habits. So it's the mindset of when you're going into, excuse me, a particular module. That's really what we start off with. Now, charisma is like the umbrella term. However, we then go into, if we can have these mindsets, then we can use the techniques and then ultimately have the end goals. And the reason why mindset is so important is because like anything, when we do training or you learn something new, when you then go out into the real world, it's being able to turn it on right when you, so you can actually have it in the back of your brain and you can pull it forward. And when you can kind of create a mindset around particular things, then you're able to turn it on Basically, as and when you want to, uh, the last thing that you want to do is go through a particular process or training and go, oh, God, I, I should have done this or I, I could have asked them about that and then build up a better relationship with that person. So I would always say mindset is particularly important. Charisma is brilliant, but even if you did the basics, you're still going to be able to build a really good relationship with someone. And ultimately, at the end of the day, you know what we talk about isn't anything particularly revolutionary. We've got a lot of really modern approaches and things to develop really new skills to to build relationships with people in 2020. 
But ultimately, at the end of the day, those mindsets are super important. And it is the hardest aspect of kind of what we do. Uh, when people come to us, it's if they've got a particular way of thinking, then it can be challenging just to kind of, I mean, to give you a really simple one, and this is back to the real bare bones, is that even when it comes to like making friends, which sounds very sad, but when you say you're looking for a girlfriend or a boyfriend, that sounds pretty normal to say to your, to your colleagues or whoever. But if you were to say, oh, I want to make, you know, more friends, always people put you in the sort of strange or weirdo category when it should not be like that at all. And people, when they, when they're growing up, they're at, you know, high school, university, you already have this sort of social pipeline. You're already, you know, have the karate class. You already have, you know, at university, you're all studying business management or marketing. So all the people there are interested in that. And then you have the societies and all those sort of things to, to build relationships. But after that, you know, how do you actually go about making friends? And it's because the mindsets that we've had when we've grown up have not always been correct. So when we're going into, you know, new, new territories like making friends, having that mindset is super important. And even if you ask someone who's started up their own business, you know, how they think is completely different. And I can only speak personally from my own situation someone who considered themselves quite a sociable person, having the mindset to when to turn it off from being social to then maybe business head and being more networking and seeing those opportunities is completely two two different skills. But I'll be interested to know, because I know you, you've worked with quite a lot of different people with your sort of background. Have you felt like that or has it been a bit different? Yeah, I completely agree. And everyone, I think, will agree that it's everyone says that it's a lot harder to make friends when you're an adult because uh, you're not kind of forced into those social situations. Uh, I've been moving country pretty much every year for the past few years. So I've gotten really kind of good at uh, going to the meetups. Going, I used to do couch surfing a lot. <laughs> I'm a big fan, uh, which is a great way to meet people. So I was quite, I got quite good at it, and and I used to be shy, but um, I just forced myself out of the bubble by just going to meetups nonstop, and eventually get good at it. And, and then I realized that I wasn't at all shy. I was just, I, I kind of discovered more of myself, and I love it now. I love meeting new people. I love going to meetups. I love um, hosting debates and and hosting conferences and public speaking and all that. And I didn't used to, and you don't really discover that until you kind of put yourselves in those situations. Um, and so, yeah, I, I completely agree. I'm actually, I'd love to hear some like specific kind of, because a mindset, I would say you build it with habits, right? You build it by doing something every single day. So what are some examples of some habits that you can do every single day to change that mindset and be, you know, if you've always told yourself, oh, I'm terrible with people, oh, I'm terrible in social situations, and you have to change that mindset towards, maybe I'm not that bad. Or, you know, maybe I do want to make more friends and maybe it's okay that I'm an adult and I don't have a huge amount of friends because I maybe I haven't tried that hard. Uh, so what are some examples um, of some habits that can kind of put you in that more positive mindset? Yeah, well, just to, uh, just to tell you a little bit of a story. So when I was, uh, when I was starting, uh, starting up, I, um, I wanted to create, I wanted to drink more water. I was told that drinking water made you a bit healthier and had all these other benefits to it, but I didn't really actually drink that much water. And so I wanted to kind of create a habit. So the first thing I did was I got myself a water bottle. And then when I woke up in the morning and I go down to get breakfast, I made sure that I had that water bottle in front of me. And then I filled it up. And then when I went and did my work, I would drink it throughout the day. And then I would sit down when it was getting empty. I would then go and fill it up. And then I found actually the more times I was doing that each day, I was actually building a habit and actually drinking more water, which is ultimately what you want to do at the end of the day. 
if you're wanting to build habits around building friendships, about building relationships, it's a very, very similar sort of thing. So what you've got to do is think to yourself, right, what is it that I want to do? So for example, if I want to speak to more people, then I'll have to go to situations and places where that might potentially be. And then what you want to do is create a trigger. You want to create a trigger. And then based off of that, you want to then create a loop. So in my situation, I got up and I wanted to drink more water. The trigger for me is when I was going down to get my breakfast, I would fill up my water bottle and sit down for work. And then the next thing was creating a loop. So then I was to, as soon as I saw my water bottle get to a certain level, I would then go fill it up and come back. And by doing that through repetition, I was able to create really good habits. Now, if we were to put this back to the example, what we're saying there early on about, I want to speak to more people. What you can start off with is one simple conversation sparker and then speak to that a person about it. Create a trigger. So when somebody says something or looks at you in a certain way and then create a loop around that. So if we were saying that a gentleman wants to speak to more people, we would say, right, OK, perhaps every time that you go to Starbucks or you go to coffee, the person you are getting served by, you ask them, how is their day or what has been the highlight of their day? And then they'll tell you, and then that's your trigger. So you've gone from walking to Starbucks, asking somebody about how their day is or what their highlight is, and then you've got to create a loop. So when they give you the answer, you'll be then able to respond correctly. And that's just a really simple way of building up really good habits. So ultimately, it's having an objective, having a trigger, and then creating a loop so that you can do it continuously. But habits and mindsets are, are two of the hardest bits that you have. We can give you all the techniques and tools and all that jazz, but those are the two bits that are, can be quite challenging. Yeah, I really like that. And I think the other thing that you're kind of illustrating here is practice. It's really practice. It's just doing that every single time. And you eventually, it comes second nature. It's just natural. You're just, every time you go to Starbucks, you ask them how their day went. And then someone, if you go with a friend, someone, your friend will suddenly be, wow, you're quite, you're quite sociable. And you're like, well, I, I don't know. I, it was a habit. It's a habit. And there you go. Right? Kind of. Yeah, you just, you just do it. Uh, and, you know, it's like you don't necessarily necessarily, it's all about starting off small. Like you don't necessarily need to go in and have a big, you know, uh, massive message or something really important to have. Sometimes you don't, you can just say absolutely anything and it will get someone talking to you about something. So even if you use the example at Starbucks, you can ask them how their day is going, what they're up to, what's, some, what's the most popular coffee they sell there, or anything about them or anything about anything, and it just gets them talking about it. And so the example I'm going to give you here is there's something like about conversation starters, and I mentioned that a little bit there, but then there's conversation sparkers. So things like, how's your day? What do you do for a living? Where are you from? Are conversation starters. There's stuff that we get asked all the time, every single day. And it's actually gotten to the point now that you almost become a bit numb to it, if you understand what I'm saying. Like people ask you it so often, especially if you're going to meetups, they're like the first three things you get asked. So how do you get people, you know, how do you get people to build a relationship if you're getting asked that by every single person? Well, we use something called conversation sparkers, which is a way to prick someone's ear up and make them thinking. Because since we get asked this all the time, we don't even put our brain in gear. It's like putting the kettle on, shaking someone's hand. We just answer it instinctively. So some of the things that you could ask someone just to build up a bit of a spark, instead of asking them, what is your, what do you do for a living? You can say, what exciting projects are you working on? Uh, and that could be a really good way to get somebody opening up about what they do or the passionate parts of their job that they're interested in. 
So for example, they could say, oh, I, I've been working on this particular podcast. We've got X amount of guests on it. It's really been helping me with blah, blah, blah. So that could be just little ways to do it. And it doesn't need to be anything revolutionary. Sometimes it's just asking somebody an adjacent question. So rather than asking, how's your day? You could say, what's been the highlight of your week? And you know that could be a really good way to get somebody opening up about what, they, what they're interested in. And then the last way is like, Sometimes, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty candid, I, you know, as much as it's great learning about what people do for a living, um, not for not everyone, it's not everyone's passion project. It's not everybody. Sometimes it's like, listen, dude, it's just to pay the bills. So don't be afraid to ask someone, go, what do you do when you're not working? What, 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 what do you like to do when you're not in the office grinding out the nine to five? And they could say, I've been working on this side hustle. I've got this little project that I've been working on, or I'm fascinated by football. I've been following all the games. What is it that? we can do to, you know, get people excited and get people talking to us. So it's, uh, there's quite a, quite a few little bits there that are, are quite key. One of the things I would like to just quickly touch on just, uh, just off the back of that, because I was thinking just there around about trying to build a connection with somebody. If you're not interested in something that they've got to say, I was working with this one person. It ties into a little bit what you were saying earlier about introverted and extroverted. I was dealing with this one person who was trying to get a mentor, somebody influential to support him and get him to where he was wanting to go to. And they had this lunch and it was going really well. And then the penultimate part of the conversation, the guy turns, the mentor turns to my, my, my client and goes, so are you interested in football? Who, who, what football team do you support? And my client, he absolutely hated football. He, he didn't have any interest, didn't follow any of the teams, didn't have any of the, and didn't follow any of the players. And so he was, he kind of felt the wind sucked out of the conversation. He had to kind of confess and go, you know what, I, I don't actually like football. You know, I'm sorry. And then it, it did kind of leave a bad taste in his mouth because he thought he was getting on really well and he felt like it kind of fell flat. But the key point there is to say you don't necessarily have to follow the football team, be interested in the other person's topics, have seen that movie or read that book to build a connection with someone. So, for example, in that case, what we were talking about, what we said to him, well, have you ever been interested in football? And he goes, yes, actually, when we were, when I was younger, I spent a lot of time on the football pitch. My dad took me to all the games and I followed Celtic Football Club. It was brilliant. And we said that, that is something you can say. You don't necessarily have to agree with everything they say, but bring it back to something that you do know about. So, for example, you could have said there, you know what, when I was younger, I absolutely loved football. I used to go to all the games. I did this, that, next thing. But now, you know, life's took over. I don't have as much there about it. And that's a great way just to build a connection with someone. You don't have to always have had to, to know that. I think humans, we always fall into the same trap of trying to build a connection based off of data or research. So when somebody says, oh, I've, you know, I've hit X amount of sales target, I've turned over X amount of, you know, thousand pound profit. You know, we sometimes get caught up and go, wow, are you so proud of that? It's great, blah, blah, blah. But actually humans build relationships over emotion and how we're feeling. So in that situation with the guy about football, he didn't actually really care whether if my client liked football, he was just passionate about something and he wanted to find out what he was particularly passionate about. So another way you could say that is say, actually, I don't have a clue about football. However, I absolutely love rugby. I follow Six Nations all the time. What about you? And then they can say, oh, well, yeah, I'm interested in rugby or no, and take the conversation from there. Or even lastly, they can go, you know what? I actually hate football so much, but you actually seem really into it. What is it about it that you love so much? And then you can build a conversation from there. These are great examples. I like them. Uh, and I completely agree. It's really about finding that connection. And I'm curious to hear, how can you apply that to a work situation? Because we've, we've been talking mostly about social situations, like a 
a meetup or making new friends. But what about coworkers or colleagues um, in a in a business office? How do you how can you how does charisma kind of help that situation or even a boss also? That'd be interesting. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some a little this is a little bit of a question, a bit of a quiz. Basically, what do you think is the most common reason people get sacked from their job? Sacked? I'm not sure. Resign? I would say boss, definitely. <laughs> sacked? I'm not sure. You tell me. <laughs> to be fair, they, sure. they kind of tie in with a little bit with each other. So basically, they what a lot of people think is that people get fired because they're bad at their job, when actually only 15% of people get sacked because they're incompetent, whereas a massive poor, I think is around about the 70 or 80% mark, are actually sacked because they can't work well with others and they cannot communicate effectively, which kind of ties into what we're saying about bosses, you know, maybe not being able to communicate well and not being able to get on great can can cause a really bad culture in the office and ultimately make people sacked. For me, what I absolutely love when I'm working with corporate clients and businesses and teams is the fact that I think a lot of people are actually leaving a lot of money on the table. So, for example, managers traditionally have been measured by the forecasts, their facts and figures. Are they hitting the target? Are they hitting the profit margins? Are they hitting all these aspects? If yes, brilliant. People above that feel like there's no need to question anything they're doing because they're hitting the target. However, not always the best managers get the best from people. So for example, yes, they could be hitting the targets brilliantly, but actually everyone below them is miserable. And they could be hitting the target several times over if they were able to build a better relationship with their colleagues, with their staff, so that they work harder. And ultimately, in 2020, you know, not a lot of people who are junior members of staff are working for the five, six, seven pound an hour that they're getting paid. And as managers, as business owners and all that, we've got to identify that as much as we would love people to be working for the, the wage that they're getting. How are people going to go above and beyond the call of duty for your business so that they can, you know, effectively work more efficiently so that they can work better, so they can feel part of something, so they can build a better culture. But ultimately, you're also creating the managers of tomorrow because these people are looking to get promoted to get into that position. So being able to build really strong relationships within your business is key because ultimately they're the ones that are going to be speaking to your clients. They're the ones that are going to be keeping people happy. So if they have those skills, people are going to be then spending a lot more money and the retention of your customers are going to be a lot better, which in, you know, during COVID time, the um, phrases of prospecting new business, I don't think has ever been uttered. Whereas the phrase, how can we retain these customers is going to be key. And that's when your relationship skills are going to be so important between the sales and the clients and between managers and uh, and their staff. And there's loads of different ways that you can build a relationship with somebody. And we talked a little bit about leadership, being able to you know have good leadership, confidence, having great conversations out with the you know, the how was your weekend, Patrick? Because back to what we're saying, they're the, the monotone ones that we always get asked every Monday. How was your weekend? Yes, it was good, thanks. What about you? And then that's the end of it. We feel like we've ticked the box. So how are we able to build a connection with people? For me, in a business, is slightly different than making with friends. I think the, the real win where people are missing out in two things, I think having regular one-to-ones with a, with a member of colleague, if you're a manager, I think is a great way to try and build a relationship with someone. And don't use those meetings to beat people with a stick. Use it to find out what their goals are, what their aspirations are, and what makes them tick. 
because if you can find out that, you can correctly motivate that person. They're going to feel that you're really sympathetic, show empathy and be authentic and then ultimately like you a lot more. So when those days where you're a little short of target and you're going to need a real big push, they're going to be prepared to go over the trenches, sort of speak for you. And that's ultimately what, what we can really do. And then, you know, any, any sort of like, you know, a CEO or high flying manager of any business will tell you, you know, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And so being able to build relationships is key to being able to build, bring business in, but also partner up with other businesses and other organizations to achieve your goals, whether that's a social goal or if it's a, a profit or a monetary goal. And um, it's all based off of the relationships we have with others. Yeah, no, that's that's very interesting. And I, I'm just thinking like as a manager or a business owner, how you can encourage a situation because I think it's very difficult. I, I myself found myself in a position where when I was working in a company where uh, the employees said it was the manager's fault and the manager's fault said it was the employee's fault, saying that they were immature. And so it was kind of, you know, blaming each other. I do kind of feel that it is the manager's position to implement a culture where people are, you know, where there's communication, where there's um, charisma, I guess. I'm not sure. Um, so how do you think I, I do? Would you agree with the fact that a manager, a charismatic manager is a more efficient manager or a better manager, for example? Yeah, I think, um, you know, if we boil it straight down to even like we give the example of like football teams. Ultimately, the buck does end at the manager or the business owner. And nine times out of 10, the challenges that you have usually start from the top and then sort of bleed their way sort of down. However, a really good manager is somebody who's not afraid to get their hands dirty, who can be the empathetic ear, who can also rile people up, who can also motivate others, but at the same time can also keep out with the, the commercial business needs at the same time. And I think a lot of managers sometimes mistake the fact that they've got a commercial job to do. They've got to earn X amount of money, bring X amount of money in or you know have X amount of targets hit. And then it kind of falls down because ultimately it, it, the, the buck does end at them. And that's why a lot of the people that we work with, I mean, for example, somebody we were working with was a manager of a premium gym and they got on really well with the bosses and they got on quite well with clients because, you know, you can you can turn it on for clients and for customers. And with when it comes to like CEOs and, and senior managers, they're only really interested in the, the numbers. And as long as you're hitting them, you can actually go relatively under the radar so that's why a lot of bad managers filter up to the top. So that's the key bit there. And that kind of ties down to what we're, I mean, a different element there of about why people who are good at their jobs never seem to kind of get promoted. And the ones who are a bit naff at their jobs always seem to get promoted. And that kind of comes down to this, this element called pie, P for performance. And performance only makes 10% of what people use or measure success on when they're putting you up in a career. I is image which comes into charismatic, likability, your network. And E is um, exploration. So what do people actually know what it is you do and the benefits that what you do bring to the company? And actually, the, the largest portion of that is image and what people think of you. And so that's why you see a lot of managers who might not be able to run the, do the job properly or you know people in, in really high positions who are unable to maybe be organized or motivate people or understand how people work get to a position that they're in because at some point or another, somebody liked them in a position and then we're able to promote them up. So that's why it's 
that's why it's really key not to underestimate the power of being likable and being charismatic. And then if we boil it even down into a business sense, people like working with people that they like. And it sounds so silly, but if we even look at people who we you know, like doing work for, we all have our favorite cl- customers and our favorite clients, yeah. and we all have those ones that make our eyes roll and the ones who are really demanding. And ultimately... You know, the, the saying about sh- like honey and vinegar, like you can get more from being sweet than you can be from being sour. And so that kind of ties into that charisma that if you're nice, likable and all those sort of things in a really authentic and genuine way, people are going to gravitate towards you. People are going to want to work with you. And those all the things will all kind of take care of it, take care of itself. Yep, that's very true. Um, what One last point um, I'd love to cover is, you know, in times of COVID, in times of working from a computer, socializing through Zoom. It, it's really tough to to be, chari- I mean, I don't know if to be charismatic, but to continue those social relationships and make new friends, for example. What are some tips that you've got for people who want to maybe work on their charisma while having to deal with everything online? I mean, I guess the, the best example when we've been working with people is at the moment, the transition is people have been, been made unemployed or been on furlough, so they're actually looking for employment. And a lot of the interviews now are happening on uh, Teams or on a Zoom conference. And some of the ways that you can actually be charismatic, I'm going to give you just now. And some of it does apply to real-life situations as well, so you can actually apply it to both. I think the absolute easiest way you can do to sort of improve your charisma is to keep your hands visible. Now, some there's been some neuroscience done around about this, and basically, it kind of takes it back to our caveman days. And this is when you had a tribe and a tribe was coming over to you. You would actually look at their hands to know if they were a friend or a foe. So if they were carrying like a spear or a rock or if they were empty handed, and that would kind of seem that they're harmless. So even now, our subconscious minds still do not trust people who we can't see their hands. So when you're looking to make a really good first impression or if you're trying to be charismatic with someone, it's important that they can kind of see your hands. And we actually see this actually reflect a lot in like TED Talks and things like that. The the most popular ones are the ones with the most hand gestures. So, for example, if you're going to be delivering a a Zoom interview, it's quite easy to have your hands down your side, out out the side of camera because we think it's all head and shoulders. But it's important that people can see your your hands as well. You know, if you've ever seen a toddler have something behind their back, you don't trust them, do you? You're always like, what have you got there? What's that? (laughs) And that's where it kind of comes from. The other idea is to... Pick your ornaments. So things that you wear, things that you have, your jewellery, your watch, your shoes, even in real life, your fragrances are all types of things that people can judge on when you're creating like a first impression or you're trying to be charismatic, which is really good. The other side of it is, is that I think when it comes to like maybe like Zoom calls and things like that, albeit we cannot make physical eye contact with somebody, always make sure that you're looking at the camera, looking at the screen. It's not bad, but it's not a great, you know, a great way to do things so making sure you're looking at the camera and at least then it signifies that you're trying to make eye contact because when you make eye contact it is super powerful it becomes really bonding between humans when you have that you know eye contact there and the other thing i would always say to people is wear trousers i can't believe the amount of people that do zoom calls and don't wear trousers like you have to be doing this guys not only because you might have a kind of wardrobe malfunction but at least then gives you a little bit of uh you know confidence when you're being more appropriate with your business calls 
as well as look at your background, you know, dirty clothes, unorganized shelves. If you're in an interview telling someone about how great you are keeping organized and how, you know, meticulous you are, and then in the background, it's absolute chaos. You know, it's not really giving somebody the best impression that you're really going to have with someone. And then lastly, the one that I really want to hammer home is smiling. Now, smiling is an interesting one because it's a great way to make somebody feel, you know, we like people who are positive. We like people who are happy. And smiling is a really good way to show this. But I want to make it absolutely clear. I'm talking about a genuine smile. So avoid really cheesy smiles and really avoid smiling just for the sake of it. Because it can also look a little bit, you know, look a little bit silly if you're constantly smiling. So if somebody says something funny or something that's interesting, don't be afraid to give a smile. But the idea is that if we don't do it through grit teeth, going back to that idea of authenticity you know humans are really good at spotting a fake smile or when something doesn't feel right so just keeping those sort of things at the forefront of your mind when you're doing things now it sounds like it's all complicated it's all very difficult but actually it's relatively straightforward you know it's just about making sure that you, people can see your hands you're looking in the right way and you're smiling as and when you're doing it and a lot of it people will be doing naturally so it's a really good way to do it are some great tips. The last one I would add is uh, once we're allowed to meet in person, uh, join Toastmasters. <laughs> Such a great club. I learned so much. And I, what you said about moving your hands is incredibly true. Uh, whenever I see someone talk in public with their hands in their pockets, I'm like, ah, no, please. Because that's quite, because um, it, it's, it's like shows that you're kind of, you know, this is not, you're not taking it too seriously. So yeah, this I yeah, Toastmasters is is really great. So I highly recommend if you have time to join it. But great, thank you so much, Sebastian, for joining us. We've got some final questions to end the podcast. Our first question is, where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? So anyone can go to my website. It is artofcharisma.com. I have a free taster session. So if you're not sure about what charisma is all about, how it can benefit you, there's a complimentary session right there where you can get all everything you need to at least get you kick-started in 2020. They can even ask me through my email, which is artofcharisma at outlook.com. If you have any questions, anything at all around about social situations, being more memorable, wanting to tell a fantastic story, or even if you want just to have a little bit of a natter, you can send me an email with all your questions and you can get me there. And I regularly post on Instagram just small tips and tricks on how to deal with co-workers, how to deal with certain situations, and the sort of techniques you could use to be more charismatic. And that is at Art of Charisma as well on Instagram. Great, thank you. Uh, our second question is, what is one resource not well known that you would recommend to others? Probably related to charisma. Uh, and it could be a, a blog, a book, anything. So one of the ones I would always recommend is uh, a book called Captivate, The Science of Succeeding with People. Uh, that's by Vanessa Van Edwards. It's a, a fantastic book, all based around the, the science of understanding people. It is by no means jargon. It is actually really really simple, really basic stuff that you can actually pick up and implement straight away. But the fantastic thing is that it's backed by a lot of studies and a lot of science that makes a lot of sense. So when somebody says it's great to make eye contact, which we all you know understand, but why is it good to do that? It goes into some really fantastic detail there. Great. And our last question is, what is your number one actionable tip for someone getting started on their path to being more charismatic? Oh, fantastic question, that. Uh, what is the one thing somebody could do to make themselves more charismatic? 
I think one of the one things I would say we've talked about a lot of tips and I'm going to say probably about two. I think one of the ones I'm going to say is actually start being interested in, in people and asking the right questions so that people can open themselves up. And the other last tip that I would probably give is, and one we've not talked about, is about taking up space. You talked about Toastmasters and people using their hands. But I think taking up a lot of space is also pretty important to being charismatic and being tied into confidence. They did research with Olympic athletes around the world and they found that an athlete, uh, when they win a race, they you know take up as much space as possible. They raise their arms while losing athletes shrink down and take as little space as possible. So when we first meet someone, we want to understand whereabouts they fit into that category. So remember to make try and take up as much space as possible. So use those large hand gestures. Keep your shoulders back and don't be afraid to kind of wave, wave them around a little bit as well. Nice. Great tip, Sebastian. Well, it's been great to have you on the podcast. Thank you very much for your time. Brilliant. Thank you so much. It's been fantastic. A brilliant podcast. Hey, Matthias, do you think there are enough financial independence Facebook groups yet? Yes, there's definitely a shortage in financial independence Facebook groups. That's why we want to create another one. And the real reason is that we want to get some feedback on our episodes to have a conversation with our listeners, um, to follow on the topics. And you might also have some questions around our content. Gotcha. And also, we've been talking with more of you guys at meetups, on Reddit, in Facebook groups, the Five Europe retreat, obviously, we organized. And this is, in the end, the main reason why we started the whole podcast project to talk to guys like you, uh, learn more from you, case studies, answer questions, and like hopefully all grow and learn from that together in the end and become stronger, smarter, and hopefully also richer people. So, you know, Matthias, say I'm interested in this. Where do I find this Facebook group? Yeah, just go to your Facebook app and type in FI Europe podcast or just click in our show notes. There's a link for the Facebook group or go to our website. There's also a link. So yeah, just type in FI Europe podcast. See you in the group. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope you learned something new and enjoyed the show. You can support us by doing this. Subscribing to your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review. Following us on Instagram and Twitter at Financial Independence Europe. Sending us an email with questions and feedback. We would love to hear from you. All the mentioned articles, books and cool resources can be found in the show notes at financial-independence.eu. Thank you for listening and see you next time. <laughs>